Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Niner fans, one, two, three, is this thing on? Where the heck is everybody? I don't know. I have been M-I-A, and so is this guy. What's up, Rohan? How you been, man? Hey, man. It's been 11 days since I last recorded. For those of you guys that have that are in the chat haven't realized why I haven't streamed, as you can tell, been a little sick, recovering right now. The voice still getting back there, but had to bring it back, and obviously... Raj, great guest uh, to start it back up. Yeah, likewise. And I got sick too for a while and then just been working so much. The tea, got to keep drinking that tea, man. Get that throat better. Oh, yeah. Glad to know that you're doing better. Good to see you. Um, there's kind of been a lot going on, I guess. Uh, not a lot going on. You know, off season, there's like hit or miss with, with what's going on. And then we got training camp around the corner and, and OTAs and all that stuff. And then rookie mini camp. So I don't, I don't even know where to start. It's been so long since I've talked to the Niner fans. I'm, I'm going to let you start it off. Where, where do we start, my man? I think before we get to all the rookie stuff, I know there's been a lot of draft stuff. Let's quickly touch on OTAs. There have been okay. really a few remarks that we heard from Steve Wilkes and a couple of others on OTAs. Kyle Shanahan said, Trey Lance is in the best shape that he's seen, doing really well. Mm. He also said um, Javon Kinlaw is in very good shape. We've heard that before, but we've heard Javon Kinlaw has been in very good shape, which is something I heard from a friend as well, which is pretty telling because even though we've heard it before, to keep seeing it recurring, at least somewhat of a good sign in understanding where the 49ers are roster-wise. The other storylines, Steve Wilkes said Isaiah Oliver, they wanted to get the top uh, nickel back on the market. That's how they view Oliver as a nickel back. And, I mean, the reassurance kind of thinks you've got your day one starter there. So a couple of things there. Drake Jackson was another guy. Steve Wilkes saying he was proud of the progress weight-wise that Drake Jackson is doing. So a couple of storylines there with OTAs. Yeah, no, that was that's pretty much um... – uh, a good way to kind of start this in. And and real quick before, you, what's up, everybody? I, I see all the comments. Everybody's been a minute. I know it's been a minute. Trust me. I, it's been a minute for Rohan. It's been a minute for me. So it's good to just be here and talk some Niner football. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Steve Wilkes came in and that was his first press conference he had as the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I liked it. I, I liked the way he came in. He has good energy. Um, like you said, he talked about Drake Jackson. To me, that was one of my biggest takeaways. OK, Drake, you know, we're expecting a lot because. A lot of fans, Niner fans, I've seen a lot of people talking. They still need a, you know, an edge rusher on the other side, a veteran edge rusher. I think they're putting a lot of stock 
into Drake. And I'm one of the people that says, yeah, I could still see them going to get a veteran edge rusher, you know, Yannick Ngakwe or Frank Clark or whatever. The big names are out there. You can still get a guy like that, but they're putting in a lot of confidence in Drake. And again, it's what Shanahan said at the end of the season is he needs to bulk up. He needs to get his body right to go through a whole season. That was the issue. But um, yeah, Drake being at the facility, he's posted about it all off season. So it's exciting. And I don't know. Do you think he could take that year two leap like Hufanga? I feel like that's what the Niners are hoping, that he takes that leap. You know, every year there's people that leave and they have these guys they develop. You know, they draft really well. And one of those guys usually takes that big step. And do you think Drake Jackson's going to take that step? I feel like that's what they're hoping for. I think they're hoping for that, too. I, I do think they're hoping for that, too. And, I mean, so far you haven't heard of any edge signings. Would I be surprised that there is an edge signing coming up? No, I think that that's in the, that could be in the cards. Although you've seen the 49ers and how they've gone thus far this offseason. They've got to the 90-man roster. It seems like they're content with where they are. What does that mean? More real responsibility on Drake Jackson because when you look at that edge room, it's not that deep. You have Nick Bosa, you have Cleveland Farrell, and you have um, Drake Jackson. Those are the three guys that I think are the guarantees right now. I don't think anybody else on the roster is a guarantee to make the 53-man roster. Um, And so to me, I think right now it's clear they expect a good amount from Drake Jackson. And I still think they expect a good amount from Drake Jackson, even if they sign someone. I think that that's important to note because you don't understand the rotation that they like to go through. I know um, last year the rotation might not have been like it was in 2021 or 2019 in terms of the caliber in the defensive line, but I think that still with the rotation and with what Drake Shackson likely is asked to do as a pass rusher, I think you, you do anticipate seeing him at least take on a bigger role. Now, whether that comes with the results, we can only see that on the field, but Positive remarks in terms of the weight room, in terms of what the steps have been done this offseason. Positive remarks already. Yeah, we've heard that again, not just from Wilkes. We've heard it from Kyle. We've heard it from Lynch. So it does seem like Drake Jackson got the message loud and clear, and he knows there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Because like you said, the only three guarantees to me on the edge is Bosa, Drake Jackson, and Cleveland Farrell. I know they signed Austin Bryant, but I mean, I'm not excited about him. Um, You got Alex Barrett. I don't know if he's going to make the final roster. They did get Robert Beale Jr., in the draft, and that's a guy that I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm out of all the draft picks, he was one of my favorites. I was like, okay, I like this Beal kid, Georgia dog speed. But again, he's a rookie. You can't expect a rookie to in a fifth round pick to be, you know, a day one starter, a, a year one, just you know, menace. I, I, I have high expectations for him, but it's gonna take a while. So you're absolutely right on that. So hopefully, Drake Jackson, everything goes well. But the other guy you mentioned, Isaiah Oliver. So that right there was huge too because. You know, we were worried about, okay, who's going to be nickel? Jimmy left, you know. I think they've been searching for that role since Kwan Williams left, right? And now I feel right. like they've got the guy that they think can come in and be the next Kwan, maybe better, because they know how to kind of develop those those players into their role. And I think Steve Wilkes, with, with him saying that, is like, yeah, this is our guy. Obviously, Hartsfield is going to be there. You got Sam Womack. But it's, it's Isaiah Oliver's job to lose, and it's going to make the best out of these other guys. And it's just going to give them good depth. You know, you got like Hartsfeld, he's a locker room leader, which he mentioned. And then you got the youngster, Womack, who's going to be there for depth. So I like it. I, I like that he's committed and you say, hey, this is my starter at nickel. They've been looking for that identity. You know, last year they, again, had to throw Jimmy Ward in there. And it took him a little bit of time to acclimate to a new position, you know, when he was supposed to be the safety. So I like that. Um, I, I know he did mention Javon Kinlaw. Oh, he's in great shape, but we hear it every year. 
at this point, you got to show me on the field. I, I, I think the writing on the wall, Kinlaw's gone, man, man, after this season. But, hey, if he can compete and make a roster, good for him. You know, uh, this is pretty much it. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So this is probably his last year in the red and gold, unfortunately, for him. But if he puts together a good season, uh, his career may not be over. He may go sign somewhere else and figure it out, you know. So good luck to him. Solomon Thomas did it, you know, his last year. He put together some a decent, you know, season. He, felt, he signed um, elsewhere, and he's found kind of a little bit of uh, resurgence in the league. So maybe that's what happened with Kinlaw. Um, the other thing that was interesting to me that a lot of people talked about in Steve Wilkes' press conference was uh, how he says he's going to be coaching from the booth, right? He's not going to be on the sidelines. That uh, people were like going, oh, my God. Because, you know, you got D'Amico and Robert Salah, the last two DCs, and they have so much energy. You see them yelling and hyped up and getting everybody, you know, in the feel of the game. And I feel like that energy kind of cast it onto the, the team. But, I mean, I see it. Everybody coaches their own manner. He's going to have a different vantage point of the game, and that's just his style. So what do you take out of that? Are you worried that he's not going to be on the field like a lot of Niner fans were? I don't think worry is the word I have in mind. It's more so I'm intrigued how the situation plays out because it's not only an adjustment for the Niners, right? It's, more, it's also an adjustment for Wilkes. Wilkes was just an interim head coach. Mm. He's like, like the other two. Although in a different manner, he's an energy guy as well. He's a guy who looks to inspire his guys. He's a guy who's there. And you're right. That energy that's normally infused from that defensive coordinator position, not going to be on the field anymore. That energy won't necessarily be there uh, to surround the players. Am I worried? No. I, I, I think this defense has been through a lot together where they've got core leaders that can string up that energy. Fred Warner is the main energy guy. You see him lead the team in every huddle um, going out on the field. Our Garmstead's another guy who can be a leader. I mean, overall, you've got young talent like Talano Hufunga as well who can compose it to some of those energy guys. I'm not necessarily worried, although I am intrigued to see how does this work out not only for the defense side, but also on Wilkes' part, understanding the composure that he has during the game and how he's operated really for uh, during his head coaching days where he's clearly on the sideline to now shifting back to the booth. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and Flood says we got great defensive captains that will bring the energy. I think that's definitely the takeaway of what she said. And you're right. They've learned from Salah. They've learned from D'Amico. So they know how to bring that. And energy, and you're right, Fred Warner. If anybody uh, can give a pep pep talk or a speech, man, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. I mean, that guy's pure energy. So yeah, I, I agree with you, and and I feel like Nick Bosa's coming out of his shell, and he great leader out there. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that they do have a team that is going to be able to lead them. They've been through so many different, you know, uh, moments and a lot of adversity. So I think they'll be okay. But it is going to be interesting when you don't see the DC on the field. Um, but you're right, it's more of a transition. And it's going to be a little different. So it'll be an it'll be interesting to see how things go. Um, but, I mean, a lot of coaches prefer it that way. So it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, overall, I really like Steve Wilk so far from what he's, you know, presented and just what he said. And you could just tell he, he's really happy to be here. And I feel like he's a very, very good um, person. I think he's going to be a great coach for this team. So I don't think they lost too much. You know, every year when they've lost to D.C., it's like they've really been able to, been able to replace but the quality coach, again, Salah, then D'Amico, and now you got Steve Wilkes, who has been a head coach himself. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's been a DB coach. So um, I think that right there is one thing that really intrigued me is 
He's got a DB history, you know, history of being a DB coach. And that's one area where I feel like the 49ers have kind of been hit or miss over the last couple of years. And um, I, they were even ranked one of the top, like worst secondary units coming in by ESPN. So I think Steve Wilkes is going to put together a really solid secondary. Um, and as we saw in the draft, you know, he put together, uh, he got some depth pieces in the draft. He brought in, again, Hartsville and Oliver. And I think the secondary is going to surprise a lot of people this year. No, I agree. And I mean, one thing I'll say about that is we've already seen uh, a video of it. I mean, Steve Wilkes, we saw him working with the rookies, um, right? And I mean, Jair Brown, obviously a group of that at rookie minicamp. And so we've seen this kind of, uh, we, we've seen that he's willing to work with that group. And it it, it puts away kind of some issues because Chris Kosarek, we know he's a strong defensive line coach. The yeah. guy who nobody really thinks about, but is very good at his job, is Johnny Holland. He's the linebackers coach. And he's the guy who Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw have attributed a lot of their growth to. D'Amico Ryans was a phenomenal coach. But also, Johnny Holland's been the guy who's been there as, as the stalwart for years and years, um, apart from the time he was away from the team. And so you've got two strong position coaches there. Now, in the back end, you've got an up-and-coming coach in Daniel Bullocks. He's the safeties coach. But Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator, essentially slides in and can help out in that role as well. And so now you've got multiple voices, uh, an up-and-coming coach and a well-respected coach that you've got in the secondary. So when you break it down into groups, you've got good voices leading each of the positions now. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. They always have good coaches in the position of group and that's why a lot of them leave and become coaches elsewhere and then people want our our not just our players but the coaches because they're developing really good play i mean fifth round sixth round seventh round picks that turn into like starters like that doesn't happen around the league and i feel like that's a credit to the 49ers coaching staff like you said um uh, the linebackers coach johnny holland i thought that was a guy that could have become a defensive coordinator you know when they were going through their um, you know, search and everything. I was like, I think you even said that too. We were live one time, and I think you mentioned that was one of the guys you thought that could, you know, uh, possibly get that that DC job. So yeah, great coaches all around, um, and you know, it helps this team develop all their young players, which uh, they got a handful of during the draft. So I haven't even. This is the first time I went live since uh, since the draft, really. I mean, I did a show with Larry Kruger about a week or so, or about two weeks ago. And we briefly mentioned the draft, but uh, what are your overall thoughts? How did you how did you like the draft, man? You, you got any? Uh, who's your favorite player out of the bunch? I can't lie, my favorite player was the first pick, right, Jair Brown. Uh, and I mean, it's 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 clear. But when I was looking at the board, I was I was very very much a fan of the move to trade up for a safety. I had a couple of safeties when I was doing mock drafts and when I was doing draft prep that I would want to take in the third round. Uh, and and they went. I mean, the the top three guys on my mind that I was thinking of at the moment was Quan Martin, who went in the second round, Sidney Brown, who went to the Eagles at sixty six, I believe, yeah. and then right right below those two, or I mean, not below, right in that group of three was Jair Brown, and he was still on the board. I don't know if he made it to if he makes it to ninety nine, but Jair Brown there at eighty seven, you trade up. I was hoping you don't trade any uh, significant assets. And I didn't think they did. A fifth, and I think it was like a late sixth or something. Yeah, like a late a fifth, <laughs> and then moved up, and they got a future safety. Like, they got the safety of the future 
the guy that's going to basically take over for Gibson. He could come in and blitz and be mentored. And I mean, a future safety tandem of Eleanor Hufunga and Jair Brown. Right. It's, it's going to be, oh man, I, that was a hell of a pick, man. I was like, wow, because this guy was a leader. Like you talk about Fred Warner, Fred Warner being that captain. Like this is a young guy that could come, become the next type of Fred Warner type player, you know, a, a Talanoa Hufunga, like these young guys that could become leaders. And that's what the 49ers do is 49ers get these really good people that they know can become leaders of their team. So, uh, yeah, definitely a hell of a pick. I liked – I mean, there were so many good – all the defensive picks. Winters looks special. He's, he's got great tape, a little fast, good instinct. Talking about Winters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Winters is good. I, I watched his tape, and, I mean, yeah. he's a guy who fits well with this team specifically. I don't know how well he fits yeah. with other teams, but as a 4-3 linebacker, what he does, he's good instinctually. He shoots yeah. gaps. He's a he's – a, he's a, a, like, pretty much – a quick, a small, quick, lightning, uh, lightning fast linebacker. He'll just shoot through gaps, sideline to sideline. Yeah. Don't ask him to shed blocks, but I mean, in in the system, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to no. fill your responsibility, hit, hit your hole, and essentially make your play. That's the way that yeah. I think about it. Yeah, plug the gaps and hit someone in the head, and that's what they do, and that's what they train these. You got Greenlaw. You know, you lose Aziz Al here. This is a guy that can be. Uh, maybe come in and, and take over that role or even Greenlaw if he leaves in a year or two because he's got another year or so on his – they extended him for two years. So definitely a guy down the line that could take one of their roles. And Fred Warner's not getting any younger, so I think he definitely fits the mold of what they look for at linebacker. I got a slew of other guys. Um, I, I liked um, Beal. Again, I mentioned him. I think that's a guy that's fast off the edge. And if they if Kasurik can kind of polish him up, I think that's got a guy that can have some potential damage down the line. Um, I like the Ronnie Bell pick. I'm a big, you know, I love Michigan. So Ronnie Bell, Jake Moody, I was doing cartwheels. But, man, Ronnie Bell, sneaky little guy in the seventh round. I think that's going to be a little yak. I, I, I like the Ronnie Bell pick. I was like, okay, wearing the number 10 jersey? I like him, too. I like him, too. I mean, I know a lot of people, myself included, were harping on this draft for several reasons. Overall, I don't think it was a bad draft. Do I think it was one of the strongest? No, just you didn't have a first or second round pick. I mean, and it's tough to if you don't necessarily have the best value at your top picks. But a lot of the late round picks, the 40 unders normally do. I thought that they were good. D winners, even the fifth round picks, Darrell Luther. I like the I like the corner. He was one of my top corners I, I wouldn't even I would have taken him in the fourth round and uh, I liked him there was a string of corners that I thought I liked and I liked their move in waiting to select a cornerback understanding the riches at the position in this uh, in in this draft looters a guy who I think will provide good special teams depth and then eventually maybe compete for a starting job somewhere along the line in a couple of years but we ought to talk about the controversial picks right yeah let's go to round three yeah round three you and I, I don't know what your opinions are. I haven't heard them yet. Let's go to 99 first. Kicker, third round. Highest ever since 2016. Second highest ever in the last 12 years or 10 years, I think. Go for yeah. it. His name is Jake Moody, a kicker. In the third round, that had that sent shockwaves. 49ers Twitter was, was – I think they're still kind of recovering over the fact they pick a kicker. Honestly – I loved it. I love Moody. Before the draft, I said, hey, go and get Jake Moody. You know you need a kicker. Zane Gonzalez, you can't rely on the leg of Zane Gonzalez. He, he had a quad tear or a quad injury the year before. He missed the whole season. Like, this guy's leg is messed up, and you're a kicker. 
that's your bread and butter. If you're going to rely on a kicker whose leg is messed up, you better just cut ties and figure something out. And again, one thing that they mentioned was he was a kicker, not the kicker. And, um, you know, they said, look, we didn't have, we had a starter at every position except the kicker. And they went and got a franchise kicker. I know it might be crazy for people, but it was at the tail end of the third. So if you really think about it, it's a fourth round pick. And, you know, the Patriots, right after the Niners took a kicker in the fourth round, they wouldn't got a kicker. So they probably wouldn't have got Jake Moody. I get it. It's not the flashy pick. I get it. It's, it's you know, there's other uh, depth pieces they could have got. But at that point in the draft, you're not going to get a starter um, at, at other positions. Like you said, cornerback, you got a good value guy in Luther. So, and, and everybody else is just depth that you can develop for the future. They weren't getting a quality starter at that point. So why, does, why don't you just go and get a quality starter? with a kicker and this guy might become a 10 year player on the Niners and he can kick touchbacks. We don't have to worry about, you know, field position. Uh, it's going to help the game. And again, you don't have to have your punter go out there and, and fatigue his leg out to kick a touchback to, you know, after you score. So, and the guy's got a leg. So if he can, you know, have accuracy, I love the pick. I love the Jake Moody pick. I'm a fan. Now, you know, We've got to disagree on this show. I love it. Every once in a while. And here's my disagree. I, I didn't. And I'll be honest. I mean, um, I, I, I didn't like the pick. Uh, and I, I just thought it was a reach. And I, I understand the justification. A lot of people saying, and I mean, the 49ers said it themselves. Kicker was, uh, he wasn't going to be there. Um, and I mean, the, the Patriots took one at 110. I don't yep. think that justifies it, though. I think that that just proves that both picks were reaches when you look in the history of the nfl and when you even look just i'll i'll pull short-term and long-term history in the nfl i i it's just not a pick that resonates with how the nfl works obviously at 99 it's the it's the earliest someone's been picked since robert aguayo or roberto aguayo in 2016 so it's unprecedented where they were picked even Chad Ryland, he was the second earliest since Roberto Aguirre. The only guy ahead of him is Jake Moody. Both of these picks were early. The other thing is when you look at the just the undrafted free agent kickers in the NFL, you look at the top 23 kickers in the NFL last year. <coughs> I pulled statistics on draft night. Um, I think 16 of the top 23 kickers in accuracy last year were undrafted. You look Ooh. at the top 10. Top 10 kickers in, uh, in in accuracy, only two were drafted. And the highest one of those kickers was drafted was Jake Elliott at 145 in the 2019 draft. So when you look at the overall statistics, history indicates that you're both long-term and short-term, that you're able to find a sustainable and reliable solution at the position with minimal resources, with a fifth-round picker later, or eat more likely an undrafted selection, and that doesn't diminish the results you normally get. That's the way that I look at it, and that, to me, with a lot of positions, no. Will they start day one? No. And that's the one thing Jake Moody brings. Yeah. Will they start day one? No. But I think that there's now an enormous amount of pressure on Jake Moody because given the way he was drafted, you've got you've to be a top-five kicker in the yeah. NFL. That's the that's the floor, and the unfortunate reality is, kickers don't always have a great acclimation period to the NFL. Recent history again: Cade York was drafted in the fourth round of last year's draft, was 24-32 on field goals, 75%, was in the bottom third of kickers last year in terms of accuracy and a lot of other statistics. 
it's just I think it's tough. You don't hold two kickers. You're going to put Jake Moody out there. And I understand the need for a kicker, right? You need touchbacks, 100%. You yeah. need the, <clears throat> the, 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 the leg that Robbie Gould didn't provide, 100%. I just don't think the investment necessarily was worth it when you have a lot of other chances to take, really, the draft. You're taking chances on players. I thought that there were a lot of other positions where you could have taken chances on players who could have made a bigger impact in the long run on your team than that that position. That's where I'm oh. going to go. And, and I and I got, again, we got to disagree here. I can give you a little pushback. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, do I think they drafted him a little earlier than I would? Absolutely. Third round. But kicker is kind of like, oh, that's, that's crazy because you are putting a lot right. of pressure on a kicker. He's already going to have kick pressure when you're, you know, two seconds left in the game. It, it's 27 to 24. You got to tie this to take it into overtime. Or if it's, you know, if you miss this kick, you're going to be mocked on social. Like, it, there's a lot of pressure on a kicker already. And what do they say when a kicker misses it? You got one job, kid, do it. Now he's ex- he has to make these kicks because people are going to be like, you wasted a pick. He's a bust, you know. So he, there's a lot of added pressure. But again, at the end of the day, just like they said, they said they didn't go after a right tackle or another offensive line because everybody they saw at that point, they just didn't value him that high. And he probably, like any offensive lineman they would have drafted, they said he wouldn't have even won a job over the guys that they even have on the roster. So it was kind of a waste. So yeah, they could have went and got a cornerback or somebody like a running back or something. But their roster, I feel, is so talent-laden. Like they have so many good players that they already are developing from all the other years. And the year that they draft, and this year, like there's so much talent. Like, if they would have taken another guy, you may not have had anybody um, that would give you significant value in the next two or maybe three years. I get it for the future, yeah. But in the right away, they needed a starter, a kicker, and I feel like if this guy comes in and he hits a few game-winning kicks this year, and and he helps his team get to like let's let's just say in the playoffs, because that's where these kickers have to matter. You know where it matters most. Robbie Gold was probably the most clutch kicker. If this guy comes in and he just drains game-winning field goal um, after game-winning field goal, and I think everybody's going to be happy. And you're right, though. There is going to be a lot of pressure. I just see it as, yes, he's a starter. They didn't have a lot of needs, so you might as well go get a starting position in the third round. I get it. Everything you said is is absolutely true because they could have got a kicker in the fifth round. They could have got a kicker undrafted. But there's a gamble, too, there because maybe they don't pan out either. So they got the guy that they wanted – and so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I, I know it was like, wild wow. When they made that pick, everybody was like, it's a kicker in the third round. Like, I, it, there's going to be a lot of people that mock it because if he doesn't pan out, they're going to get just roasted for, for years. So it, it's, a, it's a lot of pressure. But I liked it. Again, I think this guy could come in, and if he kicks some game-winning field goals in the next couple of years, then we're good, man, as long as he doesn't lose us any games. No, I think that the, I think that that's fair, and I mean, I I, I, th- I like the points you bring up. I just think that there's now in, uh, a significant amount of pressure to immediately perform. You just said it. The the point is you have to immediately perform, and I think that 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 that's very true, because there's not a chance there's a kicker competition now. You have to play the guy, because remember you don't carry two kickers. You carry one kicker. 
Zay Gonzalez doesn't have a future on this team because say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You draft a guy in the third round, you have to play him day one. The unfortunate reality for me is you look at Jake Moody over his collegiate career, averaged about 82% in college. Great mark. I mean, that's why he's the top kicker in this class. In the NFL, however, you look at that 82%, it's in the bottom half. I, I think even in the bottom 10, 10, uh, bottom 10 in terms of accuracy in the NFL. I think that there's an acclimation that you have to understand, I think, in the NFL. And I, I, I when you look at the statistics, 4 out of 10 uh, from 50 yards or deeper, and I, I understand that there are some insanely long kicks that are involved in that. Yeah. I just think it, 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 there was better value on the board on top of you may not see the immediate production that you might want. And again, it's a wait and see. That's how the NFL draft always is. I just think that there's immense pressure understanding that this guy's probably got to be a top five kicker in the NFL for him to be worth the selection that he was worth. No, you're absolutely right. If he doesn't pan out to be a top five to 10 kicker in the next year or two, like there's going to be a lot of push, like a lot of people being, yeah, okay, you wasted the pick. So you're right. An immense amount of pressure, but kickers always have pressure. So let's see if he can perform. You know, they're going to put him under the pressure, under the ring already. And I don't know. Again, you're you're absolutely right with everything you said. There's going to be a ton of pressure on this man, and they put more on him. But you know, again, I think at the end of the day, as long as he comes in and he can handle the pressure, and you know, with any position, there's going to be that transition, the acclimation. It's not easy to come right into the NFL and, and dominate. So it's going to be harder for anybody. It's like we talked about with Drake Jackson last year, second round pick, a lot of expectations. He didn't make it through a whole full season because that right there is that acclimation point. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, and again, the 49ers have so much young talent on this roster. So it's like, 
where, where, who do you even draft? You know, I know there's a lot of value on the board, but at some point you draft all these players and they're just going to be sitting on the roster and will they, and then they're being wasted. And then if you have to cut someone to make roster space, it gets tricky. So there, there's a lot of, you know, logistics that go into it that I'm glad I don't have to deal with as a GM. So let them figure it out. But it definitely was a very, very, very controversial pick. And we're not going to know because like you said, it's a wait and see if he, pans out then all the people that says it shouldn't have done it they're gonna eat crow and then the other way around if he's missing kicks left and right and his accuracy's garbage people like me are gonna be eating a lot of crow so <laughs> we'll see either way somebody's gonna be eating crow no definitely definitely and that like you said that's the wait and see game and uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll see how exactly it ends up panning out but we gotta talk also about the second third round pick tight end camatu How'd you, or third one, I guess, because we had uh, the trade up. How'd you feel about the tight end in the third round? So, yeah, been, I, I know they did a lot of research on tight ends. We heard about that going into the draft. We knew they were going to get some tight end help, but they've added a lot of tight ends over the last couple of weeks. They brought, you know, uh, Fumagalli back. They, they signed another tight end, well, you know, at the end of the draft, towards the end of the draft, right? They got Cameron Latu. I mean, I don't hate the Latu guy. I don't hate him. But to me, this was a reach. I, I was like, again, I was happy with the Jake Moody pick. I was like, okay, I get it. I understand it, all the points I gave. But the Cameron Latu pick, I just, I don't I don't think he's a third-round value. I think that pick right there definitely reached. I think they could have got him in the fifth round. But then when I went and saw what they did the next day and they got all their defensive players, I guess I, I understood what they were trying to do. And they probably didn't want to waste that pick later and, and – not get him, but I definitely think he was a reach at that point. I wasn't too thrilled with them picking it. I get it. I mean, they definitely need tight end help. George Kittle's not going to be 30 years old. for He's getting older, man. So at some point, you got to figure out who the heir apparent is. They got two guys in this draft. Figure out which one's better. Um, I know he's worked alongside Kittle. Uh, these The guys that they, they drafted, they've had some experience with Kittle, you know, with tight end use. So, I mean, I get it. They, they like the guy's vibe, but I just don't think he was – valuable at that point no i don't either um this is the third draft in a row i believe that i've had a guy who i believe was a fifth round talent or yeah. low, lower going the third round for the 49ers last year tyron davis price i had a fifth round grade on him one of the third round the year before trey sermon i wasn't as oh. big of a hater on the pick necessarily i didn't like the trade up uh i think they traded up 32 spots to get him wasn't a big fan of the trade up to draft him, and then now this year Cam Watu, who I don't know, I I don't think is a is worth nearly near a third round selection. When you look at tight ends and you look at the success of the NFL, a lot of it is accumulated to, well, first of all, how good of an athlete are you? Second of all, how elusive are you? How uh, how do you work with the ball in your hands? And to me, Cam Watu possesses that issues with both of those. Why? He's not a great athlete. You saw his testing. He's not a great athlete. He's a solid blocker, and so he can work in line. He can work um, in, in a couple of different areas. But he's got he's he's got concentration drops. He had seven drops in uh, in 2022. He's got he's got 11.1 drop percentage. I don't know if it was seven. I forget. But he had 11.1 drop percentage. That's pretty damn high. And yeah. so you know, a guy who isn't that athletic. But a guy who's also not sure-handed, I thought there were way better options on the board. And also, you could have drafted the guy later. That's my inclination. Seems like he's a solid leader. Seems like, I mean, he's a good touchdown catcher. So you could use them both in the red zone. 
But yeah. your seventh round asset, Brandon Willis, he had seven touchdown catches on 39 catches. So he's another guy who you can use in the red zone. Another guy who might be more versatile as an F back uh, in a couple of different roles, inline slot, F back, whatever it may be. He's the better value pick. I thought that there were better options on the board at tight end, and I also thought the 49ers reached because at tight end, there was a huge run that went early. In the second round, you saw a lot of value names go in the second round. In the early third round, you saw names go as well. I think the 49ers felt they had to reach. Yeah. I would have much preferred a trade back here. And a lot of people are like, well, there weren't trade back options. I don't think that was true. Look at the top of the fourth round. The first four teams or three or four teams each traded back and got significant value. I know a team who the Eagles traded into the fourth round and traded their 2024 third round pick. That's how valuable they viewed that top of the fourth round with the amount of talent that was still on the board. There was good value to be had. You could have traded back, gotten a better asset in the fourth round because it, it, after this third round, I thought the draft went really well. I just didn't like each of the third round selections at 99 and 1. Yeah, no, I feel like once they got to that fifth round, they kind of settled. And I, I loved all those picks in the fifth round. Because that's, again, like I said, I was like, okay, I see their vision. I see what they're doing. And, and after that, it was, it was smash after smash. I was like, okay. But again, I feel like you right. I think one thing they did was maybe they did get a little anxious because when some of these other tight ends were off the board that they probably had on their board, they were like, okay, we got to take this guy because we – have them. We don't know if we're going to get them later because we want to make sure we get those defensive guys. I think they were so set on the guys they have to get. Like, they're not a team that strays from their draft board. If he's on their board, they, they got to go and try to get him. You know, I feel like, and, and they feel like he works out. And I think that's maybe what happened. They definitely reached on that pick. I thought he was. Yeah. A and then they went and got another tight end just in case. They were like, well, okay, just in case. I think that's why they went and got another tight end. Also, too, the second tight end they got Willis is a lot more versatile, like you said. So maybe. If if Kyle Juszczyk is is the end of the road in a year or two, maybe this guy could come in and play that you know that that juice role. I don't know because of his versatility. Maybe they're thinking about that, but I don't know. Latu to me again, it was definitely reach. I mean, I know you got Kittle and a slew of other guys, and you're going to go out there and see if they can come in and Kittle can teach him. Because again, I mean, I mean, when Kittle came into the league, he wasn't this big touchdown guy. Obviously, he was known for his blocking. He blossomed, but his athleticism far superior. Than Cameron Latu's coming into the league. So I feel that is a huge difference. Kittle, you see, like if you look back, you're like, oh man, he was untapped potential. This guy, Cameron Latu, right now, I, I just don't see it. But hey, you never know, man. You got Kittle, maybe he can teach him the ropes and, and get him up. But I, again, I was I was a little surprised. When I saw that, I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, I didn't know, I did think they were taking a tight end with the neck with one of their first four or five picks. But when when I saw them go, you know, okay, Jair, they trade up, and then they went and got Moody. I was like, there's no way you're going to tight end at this point. And they did. I was like, whoa, okay. I was definitely shocked. And, again, out of all the tight ends, I wasn't too impressed with this guy because he was at Alabama, like a, yak, you know, red zone machine type guy. Four Niners, they got a lot of other type of weapons in that red zone. So, I mean, I don't even know how much this kid's going to even play as a rookie. And it was a high – that's kind of a high-value pick, third round. Like you said, by this point in the draft, there's a lot of guys that are still valuable – because a lot of teams do reach. So, like, some of the guys that people miss on are, are sitting there. And that's why, like you said, at the top of the fourth, people are like, oh, my God, well, I can't believe he's still around. I can't believe he's still around. So, I agree. They, they definitely missed out on some value there. I think I had, it, it, when you look at the tight ends on the board, the next four tight ends that were drafted, I had higher grades on than Cam Lott, too. 
yeah. each of them. And the 49ers, the reason that I think this pick even hurts more is that they completely misjudged the board. They selected Cam Latu at 99. There wasn't a tight end selected until the fifth round. <coughs> Not a tight end selected until the fifth round. I think the first one was 147. Uh, and that was Josh Wiley, a guy who I thought was a good pick in this class, a solid pass catcher, and even a fairly solid athlete. Um, I, I thought that he would have been a better pick in this class. And so to me, I, I mean, overall, Wiley went. Then a very athletic Will Mallory went at 162. Payne Durham, not an athlete, but a very surefire hand guy. He went at 171. Davis Allen went at 175. I thought each of those four guys could have been better than Cam Latu as a fit. And the better part is you get him in the fifth round. So if you trade back, you can recoup additional assets, maybe find a way to trade up, and then you could have picked a better tight end later in the class, understanding how this board went. There were a lot more options, I thought, and a lot, not a lot better, but better prospects for me. Um, that when you're looking at tight end in this class, I think not only are you looking at immediate contributors, you're looking who can best replicate somewhat of the production that George Kittle had in the in the in the event that you leave. I just don't see the connection between Latu and Kittle physically and game wise. Kittle was a solid coming out; he was a great athlete. And he was also a great blocker. Yeah. was a solid blocker. I don't think he's a great athlete, though. And I think that there are some issues with his hands where when the 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 transformation from uh, blocker to pass catcher, that might be a little more sudden in the NFL. Of course, he can fix some of those issues. We'll see how it goes in uh, the NFL. Just not my highest upside pick is what I'd say. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think uh, I think we both in agreement. They reached and there was a lot more value there. I, I don't see it. I'm going to let them uh, continue to evaluate the players, and hopefully they make me eat crow. This is one I'm hoping that uh, I definitely eat crow on. Because, again, I like the second tight end. They got Willis. I thought he was nice. I think that was a very valuable pick. So, again, we'll see. Um, I, I definitely was shocked when they left the draft and tight ends. I, I honestly thought it was going to be a running back. I mean, um, you bring up Trey Sermon, man. I, that's the vibe I got. I was like, oh, they reached on this guy. It kind of gave me the Tracer and vibes. I hope that this isn't their next third-round bust because they've had a lot of third-round busts in the last couple of years. So I hope it's not, but it gives me that vibe. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'll give you a hot take before we move on. Go for it. I would have taken a running back over Jake Moody at 99. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I kind of had wanted to. He even I would have taken – Texas's Roshan Johnson at wow. 99. I thought he was a good running back prospect. Of course, when there are great running backs at 99 or in the third round, they don't select them. They, they, see, they select it. other the players. But... The year there was great talent to take a running back, you ain't got a kicker. And, and I mean, by, even by, in past years, there was good talent. They just bypassed it for other players. Yeah. Oh, that was the that was probably one of the funniest moments after the draft when they asked them. They said, um, yeah, you know, what was going on through the Jake Moody pick? He goes, I I still can't believe I didn't draft a kicker. And, and then when he calls him, he goes, you better deliver because I didn't draft a running back. You know, you, we took you over the running back. So he knows, he knows, he knows he wanted to take the running back. So it's funny, but you know, they got some good players. You know, I think they're going to give TDP a chance. You got Jordan Mason, obviously CMC, who's, who's so happy to be here. But Elijah Mitchell, the wild card, can he stay healthy? I don't know. I think Jordan Mason has a huge year if uh, Mitchell goes down again. Unfortunately, I think he might. I hope he doesn't. But. He's got to stay healthy. But Jordan Mason, that's the guy 
I have my money on this year, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, any other players surprise you through the draft? Two guys that I like that kind of got some buzz around them. Isaiah Whitehead, the wide receiver that went viral for his, you know, his, his video. They wouldn't sign him up. They're like, well, why don't we just sign this guy? He looks great. Let's not let anybody else have him. And then that XFL guy. Um, Poor Pearson. Poor Pearson. Bro, got, he went he went crazy yesterday in minicamp. So they found some guys. Obviously, it's minicamp. You can't get too excited. But they got some nice wide receiver prospects on this team so far. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, some guys that catch my eye. I mean, Joey Shepard, the offense – sorry, Joey Fisher from oh. Shepard, the offensive yeah. lineman. I think he was their biggest signing in terms of uh, guaranteed money or in terms of the contract they gave out. Um, obviously, a strong offensive lineman. And, I mean, he's a solid developmental piece. You probably put him on the practice squad, let him develop. Ah, I forget his name, but there was a guy they put on the practice squad last year that David Lombardi tweeted out. Seems like he's coming into shape too. So maybe they're trying to get these developmental offensive linemen year by year, put them on the practice squad one year, get them to develop into their frame, but also develop as um, develop into uh, NFL caliber offensive linemen and then give them a chance to compete. I think he was a solid guy uh, that was there. I mean, Jack Coletto was a guy, mm-hmm. um, obviously the, the versatile weapon out of Oregon State. And then whenever you see a running back that signs as an undrafted free yeah. agent for the 49ers. Um, the main guy I think that I had my eye on was Callan LeBourne at a Marshall. He's a speedy guy. Um, I think they signed two. They signed Ronald A. Watt as well. But mm-hmm. Callan LeBourne and Ronald A. Watt, two running backs. I think Callan LeBourne is another guy who I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. When I saw they got some undrafted running backs, I said, oh, Future starters on the team. I mean, Jordan Mason undrafted. You had Matt Breida. You had Moster. I mean, most of their running backs through the years with Kyle Shanahan have been undrafted. So you're absolutely right. Keep an eye on those guys. I think they have something in them that may push them onto this roster. So, um, yeah, any any time the Niners get a running back, it's kind of kind of it's kind of noteworthy. In undrafted, you know, when they get third round running back, you might want to be a little irritated. But when they get those undrafted running backs definitely nice to see so yeah i mean overall i I was happy with the draft but we're not going to know until they play so we can sit here and and hate on all the picks or be upset but again they might make us eat crow so we'll see but uh i feel like i feel like we had the same sentiment on on most of the the draft except the 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 kicker pick which again definitely controversial but uh yeah no I, i feel like overall things have been moving right in the right direction mini camp uh rookie mini camp we mentioned that a couple times that happened and then next week they start, um, you know, OTAs, and they really start picking up progress. Most players have been there. We've seen, um, you know, obviously Bosa stays in Florida, so that's one thing to, you know, he's not going to be there. But most of the players have been there, and it, it seems like there's no issues, whereas last year we had Debo, Gate, and, and all that issues. But it seems like this year everybody's coming into camp happy, and we're ready to rock and roll. The interesting news that over the last couple of weeks, obviously Brock Purdy should be thrown in June. And, and we'll see how that goes. I think that's going to be something that really, um, when that happens, we're going to get a lot more uh, closer to uh, what might just be starting in the at the beginning of the season. So, And then the schedule. Um, how do you like the schedule? How are you feeling about the schedule? Where's your head out on that? Schedule was interesting. I mean, we saw, I think it was, what, the miles thing that a lot of people uh, were talking about where, like, we're flying, I think, the second most miles. Um, if yeah. we look at the schedule itself – 
there was a certain stretch that caught my eye. Um, I believe it's weeks 12 through 14, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's where the 49ers travel on a Thursday to go to Seattle, just like they did last year, then come back home to face the, or no, 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 go on the road to face the Philadelphia Eagles, and then come back home to face the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks, again, we've had their number last year, 2-0. Geno is still the quarterback and all, but I think that that's a tough stretch. Going uh, to Seattle on a Thursday on short notice, then facing the Eagles, then coming back to face Seattle, I think that that's one of the tougher stretches. The inclination that I get from this schedule is I think the 49ers need to get a stronger start because you start against the Steelers, the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals. I think out of those four, you want to try and start three and one. The Steelers, I think that's a tough one because you're going on the road against that Pittsburgh defense week one with, I I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Maybe it's a high leverage situation. Maybe Jake Moody gets to play. But I think that that's one that they've probably got penciled as a win. That's going to be in a tough environment to start the year. The 49ers haven't started strong. That's one I think they need a win. And that's that's another game looking at that tough environment in Pittsburgh where you hope that they end up pulling that one out. No, I agree. Uh, Pittsburgh definitely is a tough opener. I mean, I know we should be able to cruise on them. Uh, TJ Watt's going to be healthy this year. That's a big difference. Obviously, Kenny Pickett, maybe their starter. We don't know how he's going to be if he's the starter. But, um, you know, they got a good coach. Mike Tomlin versus Shanahan should be fun. It is on the road. You know, you hate to open the season on the road. But I feel like the 49ers should be able to win that game. It should be the better team. But it, it's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be we're going to roll them over. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I think that was the one thing I mentioned when that schedule dropped. And, and I was, you know, talking about this uh uh, with everybody the other you know last week is that is the the big takeaway to me is the 49ers have to get on a hot roll because they've traditionally the last couple of years just got off to a bad start and then they have to kind of save their season by the time they get to the playoffs they're just so tired from running a you know uh, running the league over and, and getting exactly the they're so tired man so by the time they get to the nfc championship game they're wiped out man and they're not hitting their peak so i agree with you get that by get home field advantage Start start strong. I mean, I know you start two games on the road, but their three first three games, first four games are very winnable. They should be four zero to start the season. They should, they should. But anything can happen. They should, I, but you know, you know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, the good thing is they get a they get a nice home stretch, right? They get that week three to week five stretch, you know, and that's the critical stretch, right? Because let's just go with what's happening with the quarterback situation. Let's just say that according to Kyle Shanahan's timeline, Brock Purdy misses the first month, right? Week three to week five is around that first month. Maybe Brock Purdy comes back week six. Uh, we'll say that. Um, but having a nice home stretch, especially after going on the road to mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, I think it's essentially a four-game home stretch because it's Levi right. South with the Rams in week two to where you'll have fans traveling well. For a, for a quarterback, be it Sam Darnold or Trey Lance, that's accumulating to uh, – uh, uh, really uh, uh, assimilating to a new environment and obviously with an insane amount of pressure to turn this thing around, maybe with the loss week one or whatever, I think that that's a good stretch to, to get settled in. I don't expect them to beat the uh, maybe the Cowboys in week five after a couple of wins, um, but – uh, maybe we'll see. I don't know. We'll 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 figure out all that schedule prediction stuff soon. But we, we, 
regardless, I, I think that, you know, to, to get that nice stretch as well as, you know, sprinkling games against the Cardinals and things like that, I, I think that it's it's a good sign or it's a good way for the 49ers to get off on a good start. Obviously, that needs to happen. But with minimal travel, um, obviously, between week two and week three, where they're coming back home, it's a short week again. They got two short weeks this year. I think that that benefits them. And so we'll see. But a couple of different schedule quirks that I see early on that I think that should catch eyes uh, for the 49ers. Yeah, no, and again, also the five primetime games, they're on the – they're must-see TV. They're going to be on the holidays. Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, they they could potentially ruin some holidays here. So let's hope they don't. Um, let's hope they cheer us up and, and maybe ruin other teams' holidays. I'm going to be at that Ravens game. I already got my Christmas tickets. I'm celebrating Christmas in, in Levi's. Um, you know that that stretch of games, Seattle, Philly, Seattle, I'm kind of uh, – I don't know, man. Like, I – we might be really upset or really happy after that stretch of games because that is a brutal stretch. You go to Seattle Thanksgiving, we should be able to beat them. Like you said, Geno Smith, still their quarterback. I mean, they definitely had a good draft. They've improved. They got really improved last year with their draft. So those guys that were rookies last year will be even better this year. They got a great coach. Seattle's going to be tough. They they got better. I, I can't lie, but, you know, it's still Geno Smith. So uh, we should be able to beat them. But on Thanksgiving, man, I have bad memories with the 49ers in Seattle on Thanksgiving. I'm going to spare all the stories because we already know, um, you know, turkey, 50-yard line. I hope George Kittle is the one eating turkey on the 50-yard line this year. I have had the premon- I've had the vision already. That's what I want to see. Um, and then, yeah, Eagles, we, every Niner fan wants to play the Eagles. Everybody has that game circle, but it's going to be in the link, man. I, I got a bad nightmares about that one already. Um, Dallas, like you said, Dallas, sun, the only Sunday night football game we have, I got to get to that one, but I, I don't want to start slow, but that could be one of those games where we're just overlooking things. Cause after that, we got Cleveland, Cleveland's a low key underrated. T- I actually have that game as a loss. Like when I was doing, you know, the schedule release that night, I actually have Cleveland as a loss. I think they're a very sneaky team. Miles Garrett, you know, um, they got Nick Chubb. I think Deshaun Watson might get back to form and, it's a sneaky team. Amari Cooper, they got a good secondary. That might be a sneaky game. You know, I, I don't know. And, and again, Dallas, right before it, a little tough stretch. But I do like um, the, the bye week being week nine. I love it. Right in the middle of the season. I think that's perfect. Um, so I, I like that. And then the other thing I didn't like, though, was the fact that we have two Thursday night games. I hate the Thursday night games. And we have nine road games as opposed to eight home games. We got more road games than home games. I didn't like that, but. Can't, you can't win everything. Yeah, you can't. But, hey, it's going to be a fun season, fun it schedule. It is. We'll, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely have to see, uh, you know, <clears throat> off-season portion. Then we get to the season. It's going to be a fun ride for sure, as always, with this 49ers team. I agree. So uh, how's your voice? You held up pretty good here, Rohan. How, how are we feeling? Hey, for those of you guys in the chat, for those of you guys that didn't come earlier, um, my apologies for the voice, still kind of building it back. Was sick last week, hence why the voice is a little dead. Um, but we made it through today's episode, so I appreciate everybody for hanging on through. Where, you know, if, if it sounds a little raspy or so, we'll be back soon and we'll be better. But, Praj, I mean, it's a great show. Appreciate you, obviously, uh, for coming on. And, hey, man, great way to, to come back to YouTube after a little break. 
Yeah, no, it's been a minute for both of us. So good to have you back. Definitely. Uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about soon. I, I can't wait for the season, man. I'm, I'm tired of just working, working, working and, and <laughs> not having any football to look forward to. So hopefully the season can get here. Um, but appreciate you. And I'm, I'm glad you were able to hop on, even though you were nursing the sore throat, but, uh, Hopefully that voice gets better and uh, you keep recovering, man. Appreciate you, Rohan. The chat, glad everybody was here. Good to see everybody again today. Um, keep it up as always. The chat's always lively. We love it. We appreciate it. So um, have a good rest of your night and let's um, go Niners. Yes, sir. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.